Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. Are you a motorhead? Do you like cars? Do you like to learn all about cars? Do you want to know about somebody who knows all about cars? Well, you're talking to the wrong person, but I brought somebody here, Crew Chief Eric who does know a lot about cars, and they also do a podcast, which is called the Brake Fix Podcast, and uh, uh, they have a company, Grand Touring Motorsports, and all that kind of good stuff. So, uh, Crew Chief Eric, it's, it's, a, it's my pleasure to have you on the show. How are you? Great, and uh, thanks for having me. This is really exciting. Looking forward to diving into maybe some of the lesser-known parts of our story. So, thanks for having me on board. Well, good because I know very little about the cars that you work with, and now that's that's really not true. My my son is a mechanic, and uh, he's a, he's a diesel mechanic. So by osmosis, I'm supposed to know a little bit, but I don't know very much at all. It's just, but I am interested in the story about how you got. You know, on your website it says everybody's got a story, and I'm I'm interested in the story that you have as to how you ended up doing what you're doing and being quite successful at it, by the way. So, you know, it has little to do with cars and a lot more to do with turns of events in my life. So I got to kind of step backwards before we can take the springboard forward and talk about, you know, where things are today and why brake fix exists and whatnot. So as I was thinking about this conversation before coming on the show, it really traces back to when I was a kid growing up in an immigrant family in a semi-strict Roman Catholic household. I was constantly questioning my faith and I realized something early on that maybe I wasn't necessarily religious, but a little bit more spiritual. And I, I to this day contest that there's only one truth I ever learned from all the dogma and rhetoric that was forced down my throat <laughs> within private school and things like that, which was from dust you came and from dust you shall return. And what I mean by that is I kind of extrapolated a little further because as I as I was growing up, I became a student of history. I really enjoyed investigating people's lives. I realized very quickly that history wasn't about dates and places and names and memorizing that stuff. It's really about links in a chain and how events basically influence other events and, and things happen from that and ideas are born and then inventions are created. And it's this just beautiful ecosystem when you kind of sit back and look at things. So you're like, well, what does that have to do with, you know, from dust you came and from dust you shall return? So I kind of look at the eternal life, the afterlife in the same way. And this is where the spirituality part of this comes in, in that history, a person's story per se continue a person themselves continues to live on in this afterlife as long as your story continues to be retold it's all about that verbal history about that tribal history that tribal knowledge that we learn about you know from the early days so all of that has influenced my life sort of in the background and that's why i say what what i'm doing today has a lot more to do with that and people that influence me in that way than it really does have to do with cars so uh, how was Catholic school, by the way? <laughs> the nuns were amazing. I mean, my knuckles remember every minute of it. <laughs> I can only imagine. I, I personally, I went to Lutheran school. And, you know, it's interesting because you and I seem to have had the same kind of childhood because I didn't buy any. I didn't buy a lot of what I was being told either because it's 
it doesn't make a, a bit of sense to me. Well, um, in, in the medieval times, it would have been labeled a heretic. So, ah, yes, indeed, and, and your beard would be burned off. <laughs> well, Lutherans and Catholics—that's like Bud and Bud Light, right? It's same guilt, half the calories, or whatever. <laughs> exactly, and it depends upon which Catholic or Lutheran church you're in, too, because I was part of the Missouri Synod, which is a very conservative. Uh, branch of of the Lutheranism. Of course, everybody knows Martin Luther broke away from the Catholic Church, and I'm surprised that he didn't get uh, um, executed for heresy. But uh, you know, but in, in any event, I found it to be really hard to take this. The you know, and I agree with you. This um, um, dust to dust kind of thing. Um, and then what really got me was they kept on telling me that. Come the judgment day. See, when you when you die, mm -hmm. you get buried, and then you stay buried until uh, until the judgment day. And then when you then everybody will be revived, and then they'll be walking around like nothing happened, kind uh, of kind of thing. But they'll still have a physical body. It, that, it just didn't make any sense to me. It's a little bit science fiction, a little, you know, and I'm not trying to poo poo on anybody's beliefs or faith or whatever. Everybody has a different outlook on things. For me, it, it does read like a, like a zombie film sometimes. So <laughs> as a kid, I, I just didn't know what to think, you know, now as an adult and I look back, I mean, I, I still have different views on a lot of things, but I still hold true to those stories, whether they're good, bad or indifferent, there's people that will live on in celebrity and in infamy because their stories continue to be told and others will just be forgotten. And when that last person that knew you or knew of your story has passed on, then you cease to exist. And that's what's important about capturing living histories, capturing the stories of people while they're still with us and making sure those perpetuate, especially now in the digital era, we have more ways of doing that. I, I tell you, it's, it's, it's so true. I have, um, I'm a little bit older now. I'm older than you, quite, quite, probably quite a little bit. And, but I remember, you know, like uh, stars and people from uh, way back when. And, and I, I, a guy asked me one time, me, uh, a younger person, and um, I gave him a riddle. I said, okay, because he, he was saying that uh, he'd never, he'd never met a black Jew. Um, and, and I said, well, there, there are lots of them. And, and I said, well, to, I'll give you one example. He had one eye, and you'll know who I'm talking about. He had one eye. He had got into an accident. He was a singer. He was uh, uh, one of the Rat Pack. Um, and his name was? Sammy Davis Jr. Ah, see? And he couldn't come up with it. It's, it's like it didn't, it didn't exist for him. And so you're right. It, it, as, as we go down the road, people... And even famous people. I, I asked another guy about Bob Hope. He said, who? And, and Bing Crosby and, and, and uh, Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin, Dean Martin and Jerry, all those guys, they tend to fade over time um, because as generations go, things just change. And I think it's a shame. I think we should, I think we should honor the heritage that we come from and the people that came before us because we're building upon what they did years ago. 
And that, that's a very true statement. And I think in some ways there are different verticals though, right? Because you spoke specifically about the genre of music. And so if you're an audiophile, if you're a musician, if you study the history of music or you're, if that's your hobby, you're going to be familiar with Sinatra and the Rat Pack and, and all those guys. So they kind of live on in that community. But the bigger question becomes, how do we spread those stories to other communities to then inspire folks to say, well, I want to be like so-and-so. I want to be like Sinatra. I want to be like Tony Bennett or whoever, you know, name your favorite celebrity. You know, and that's part of my mission is to remind people that at least in our niche, because it's kind of funny, we have to label ourselves a niche in the vehicle and motorsports world. And when in reality, it's a multi-trillion dollar industry, it's it impacts everybody's life, especially in the United States. We are a car culture, whether we whichever side of that argument we choose to be on, whether you're a dinosaur like me and enjoy petrol, or if you're part of the next generation, early adopters of EV, it doesn't matter. We don't have a mass transit system here, like in Europe, where you can just abandon cars altogether and not even think about it. We're, we're grounded in cars. Cars influence music, music influence cars, they influence society, architecture. It's, it's amazing how entrenched they are in our day-to-day -day lives. It really is remarkable because, well, without cars, we would be walking. Um, <laughs> and America's pretty big, so <laughs> it's a big, it's a big ass place, and and it's hard to, you know. And I, I was a bus driver for a dozen years in Seattle, and they have a a good bus system, but still, there are a lot of people that wouldn't take the bus, and probably rightfully so, because there's a lot of people who do take the bus who should not be taking the bus; they should be in jail. But that's a, a story for another time. But yeah. uh, but now, see, with your podcast, you're now going to be immortal. I, you know, one way or the other, cryogenically frozen, you know, or the, or Lenin style where you're changing my blood like an oil change every 30 days, whatever works. I mean, you know, <laughs> so there's a couple, there's a couple reasons for that. So let's kind of step backwards into that story and how it comes from how we set the stage here in this particular conversation. So Grand Touring Motorsports, as it stands today, has been an evolution over 20 years. It's gone through several different iterations. And its most recent one, the, the last eight years that we've been around, is really in honor of my father who passed away. He was a big personality in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, you know, how he contributed to the automotive community, all these kinds of things. And I grew up in the shadow of that, you know, growing up around the racetrack. For me, cars wasn't a hobby, it was a lifestyle. It was just what you did. And, you know, growing around, up around really influential people that always were full of stories and full of life. I mean, petrol heads are a really interesting bunch of people. I mean, armchair quarterbacks, for sure, in a lot of cases, like how you can do better. You can always do better. They're always critiquing each other. But at the, at the end of the day, they're, it's an interesting community of people that are there to help one another. If something goes wrong, something goes completely pear-shaped, they drop everything. They run to people's rescue. You know, safety is always of the utmost uh, is paramount. So it was just interesting growing up in that. And so growing up in the shadow of that, uh, a lot of people, you know, respected my dad. They knew my dad. And then when he passed and he passed away at an early age from stage four brain cancer, sort of left a hole in my life because my dad was my best friend. Right. So I'd go with him everywhere at all these events, you know, all these kinds of things. And I didn't really know what to do. And 
like I had said, GTM had gone through different iterations. At one point it had started out sort of as a car club specifically for one mark. And then it became a business reselling parts and then it went dormant. And then we turned it back into this club honoring my father um, by way of one of my high, longtime high school friends and my partner in all this, uh, Brad Novak. So he came to me one day and he said, you know, we should really get people together. We should, you know, renamed at Grand Touring Motorsports in honor of your dad, you know, all this kind of stuff and just kind of went from there. We weren't really sure what we were doing, but I knew that I needed to get back out there. And my wife also sort of kicked me in the butt because I was, you know, loafing around the house, depressed. You know, I don't really have any other hobbies than being in the motorsports world. And she's like, you got to get out of the house. You got to do something. <laughs> right. And I'm like, oh, are you are you sure? Because I said, this is a slippery slope. I said, if I go back into racing, it's it's a whole you know, it's a whole ball of wax. And she's like, yeah, do what you got to do, you know, just, just get it done. And so started building all these relationships, all these friendships, the car club grew like overnight and it allowed us to do other things. And every year that we celebrated an anniversary, we celebrated it, you know, in honor of my dad's passing and things like that. And a lot of people that were in the club were knew him and things like that. And so we always wanted to do something more, something bigger, something better. We're always brainstorming new ideas. How do we keep things fresh? Because in today's day and age, if you don't evolve, you die, right? I hate yeah. to say it so bluntly. So we're always trying to, to do something different. And the podcast was on the back burner for quite a long time, because as Brad used to always tell me, he's like, does anybody really care what we have to say? And that was perplexing. That was a challenge. That was a brick wall we had to figure out how to overcome. But at that same time, we were already writing. We had been writing for quite a long time. The, we still enjoy the written word, though people nowadays, it's all TLDR. <laughs> Too long, didn't read. So we were asked over and over and over again, can you deliver this? as audio, right? We're trailering to racetracks, we're driving to work. The congestion in the DC area on the beltways is horrendous. We have a ton of windshield time. Can you do this as a podcast? And again, the question comes up, does anybody care what we have to say? So with the, the, big the reality, the reality is, is that you guys have been doing this your whole lives. And so, you know, a lot about a lot of different things. I have been reviewing some of your material and it's like, I don't know anything about it, but you do, you know, you're very, you you guys are very astute at what you do and you interview well. And it's, if you like cars, this is a great, um, a great forum for you to be on. And you're, and because you're doing a podcast now, you're now an expert. <laughs> yeah. By, by internet standards. Absolutely. So, and thank you for that. And, and to your point, part of Brad and I's mission under the hood is that we also want to educate because there is a lot of, let's say, misinformation out there. So I'm not an expert in all things Volkswagen, as it would seem, or Porsche or whatever, but it's great having people on the show that are. I'll give you a prime example. James Dean. There are so many mysteries. There are so many fallacies. There are just so many rumors, speculation. We had the world's foremost expert on all things Jane, world-renowned on our show to set the record straight. It's fascinating. It's a long episode, but it's brilliant. If you're into that era, you always wanted to know why 
He tells you exactly why. He literally wrote the book on it, several of them. So to me, those things are fascinating. And I want to share that with other people. I want to educate other people and be like, see, this is awesome. You don't have to read it on Google. You don't have to, you know, look it up on Wikipedia. This is coming from the source, from the expert. So I think that's absolutely just tremendous. And James Dean, I mean, he only made a couple of movies and uh, before he passed. And it was, you know, it was not a it was not a good time that a lot of people had when when that happened. Um, but a lot of people don't know. And he's one of those guys that should live in film and, and in our minds for a long time. Um, but and I, you know, I, I got to be honest with you. I'm not even sure, Eric, that I remember why. Didn't he die? In an, he died in an automobile accident, didn't he? That is correct. At a high rate of speed. In an intersection, not too far from Salinas, in a brand Edman's new, curve, wasn't it? In a, in a brand new Porsche that he had only had for about nine days. Yeah, and uh, Jan, Jan and Dean made it, did a song about him. I believe that was, which was Dead Man's Curve. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I think, yeah, it's amazing what you remember when it just comes flooding back in. But but I love that, and I I do the same thing on with uh, the type of guests that I have on is is to. Uh, is to encourage people and and help people to think about things in a little bit different way. And so the other sort of undertone here as well is it's a bit a little bit twofold. And, and again, it surrounds death, right? A lot of this kicked off because my dad passed away and I was trying to fill a void, right? So in some ways, I guess it's it's self-healing and that you you take care of depression by keeping yourself busy. And I'm a bit of a workaholic anyway, and, and I always have been, even before this, this occurred, but it really motivated me to do something. I wanted to be an agent of change in the motorsports community. I wanted to get these stories told. So again, we, we founded the club, we were writing, the podcast was on the back burner, stuff like that. And then it hit me later down the road because my first daughter was born many years after my dad passed and, you know, he never got to, to meet my kids, uh, both of them. So I kind of thought secretly the show could be this time capsule that i my kids later could sit back and say dad met all these super cool people from all over this you know huge industry got to interview them share their stories you know all this kind of thing and so i, I do it for them in a way that if i'm taken early they can go back they can hear my voice more than just i'm left with literally 20 seconds of my dad's voice on a voicemail you know, on his old cell phone number. And my mom, the same way, she's like, that's it. You know, we don't have a ton of home movies. We don't have all this kind of stuff. And so I want to have something for them to fall back on. Right. And so when we, when COVID hit, we finally decided because we were all sitting at home, basically sitting on our hands, staring at each other. And, you know, it's like, well, we could do iRacing and watch whatever's going on in the automotive world, but the tracks are closed. Everybody's grounded. What are we going to do? I called Brad and he's like, you want to do this podcast thing? And so I turned back to him and I said, you think anybody cares what we have to say? <laughs> so... We finally said, fine, let's do it. Although we did our research, like everything else, we're a little bit pragmatic. So, you know, reached out to people, some folks we know that were already podcasting, said, what do we got to do? How do, how can we be successful if we do this? You know, what does it take to get the job done? Though we were motivated and excited to finally get this thing off the back burner. And, you know, a lot of folks were just basically the same mentality we have in the track. They're just like, send it, just, just do it and see what happens. And if it works, it'll build itself and just kind of go from there. One piece of advice we were given is that 
since we were still writing and we still do not as much as we used to, but we still do was try to transition your audience, try to stick to what you know, and then go from there. And we did that for the first season, which the first season is kind of short and part of season two. And at that time, one of my really close friends, uh, his name is Matthew. I always viewed him as like kind of my crazy uncle, older brother. He was also close with my family and with my dad. And so we go way back. I mean, I met him when I was super young and he kind of fit an age bracket between me and my dad too, which was interesting. So Matthew was always like, yeah, you should do this. You really should. You should get, you should get people on here and talk to them because he goes, you know what? Motorsports is a sport of convenience, not necessarily of loyalty. I said, that's a really interesting outlook, but he's not wrong because people will get into, you know, hobbyist motorsports if they're not on the pro-am level for about three to four years and then they disappear. And suddenly all those stories you were, you heard a hundred times and Pat used to tell the story about blah and Bob would talk about this. And then you turn around and you're like, wait, I'm the only one left in the paddock. Like, this is really bizarre. And it just happens almost organically that they're here today, gone tomorrow. And so, you know, Matt kept saying, you got to capture these stories. got to capture these stories. And I'm like, or he used to actually say, everyone has a story, right? And I'm like, oh, okay. And it never really dawned on me. So the first two seasons, you know, I'm apologetic for them. Like everybody is when they kick off a new venture. It's like, we're still trying to find our ground. The microphones are terrible. We're doing it on the cheap, just <laughs> trying to find our way. And then he's, he, so he was suffering from double kidney failure. We had done some things in the past also to raise money, you know, got him on the kidney donor list, did some charity racing, all sorts of stuff for him. And then just like that, he was gone. And that happened uh, 2021 between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And then not even a couple of weeks later, my mother-in-law uh, suddenly passed away as well. And so we were faced with this, you know, double death in the family, you know, and it was just like, oh my God, what do we do? And, you know, in the advent of all that middle of winter in 2022, I'm sitting there, it's cold as all get out. It's snowing. I'm actually working on some episodes and I'm just like, I, I had this wave come over me. I'm like, I just can't do this right now. I just, I'm not in the mood. You know, you get that in that funk and you're just like, ugh. I, you, know, oh, yeah. you kind of feel almost like the depression creeping up on you. And you're like, I, I got to get out of here. I got to clear my head. So I went down to the garage and I'm, you know, looking at the race cars and, you know, like, oh, let me go turn some wrenches. You know, that's, I always find that kind of cathartic just to start working on something because I can lose my thoughts and, you know, rewiring something or modifying something. And as I'm, I'm actually just, I didn't even want to do that. I was just like, ugh, I'm just so not motivated. So I started cleaning up the garage and then I noticed this stack of yellow post-its <laughs> and I'm like, I kept hearing kind of Matt's voice in the back of my head. Everyone has a story every, you know, and I think every car has a story because I'm looking at the cars and I'm like, everyone, every car. So I, I wrote it on a with a Sharpie on the, on the card. Every car has a story. And I was like, that just doesn't work for me. So just as a joke to myself, I did what my English teachers would normally do is take a, another red marker and scratch it out. I said, everyone has a story. And then I just started kind of laying it randomly in the garage in different spots and taking pictures. And the first two pictures I took are with my dad's last race car, longtime project car. It's been in the family since I was about five years old. And, you know, I'm working on it myself and all this kind of thing. And I just kind of laid it there and I looked at it and I just got overwhelmed. Like, you know, just, it was, it was, it was heartbreaking. Right. And the picture you see now today, you know, 
couple seasons later of the show's cover art is actually the second picture I took sitting across the steering column with the gauges in the background. And you'll notice the, the lanyard uh, the, for the keys of the car are there. And I didn't even plan that. Like everybody's like, that's such a staged picture. And it's not, I just randomly dropped the post-it there and I took the picture of it. And I was like, that's it. That's, that's where we're going. That's where we're taking this message. We're going to try to reach as many different people in different corners of this industry to get their stories out there. And that's where you see this sudden drastic change in BreakFix podcast, where it went from sort of, you know, club related and article and things like that into this world of living history and everything that we're doing today. Well, and if you go to your website, you will see on the very front page, you'll see a bunch of people that are carrying a little sign that says every car crossed out one has a story, which that's is right. a really, a really cool idea. Cause you're getting all kinds of people. That guy's gonna, yeah, that's a race car. Uh, <laughs> I know that much. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, uh, it's a great tagline. It's, it's a great idea and everybody does have a story and right. yours, yours is around automobiles by the way i wanted to ask you before we got too far um do you feel comfortable telling us what your what your dad's name was yeah so he went by nico okay and uh and he passed away what eight years ago by the way i'm sorry for your loss uh it would have been 2010 so almost 13 years ago in march yeah i lost my dad in uh 2006 um and stuff and and you know we lose we lose people as a matter of fact i just a friend of mine that uh i drove bus with put on uh, facebook in december that uh he'd been diagnosed as uh with a terminal something or other he didn't say what and he died yesterday oh no so you just don't know when it's going to happen to you so you've got to um do the best you can to put it out there and put everything Put it all out there. Yeah, so, absolutely. So absolutely. congratulations on what you're doing. <laughs> Thank you. And, and, you know, and, and it's more than just the show, too. Like I said, we try to also put on charity events. We've done things in honor of Matthew for the National Kidney Foundation. We did a golf tournament to raise money. That We did that, actually, while he was still alive. But we've also done things and organized with folks like the American Cancer Society and raised a whole bunch of money. Uh, it was last year and donated that in honor of my dad and other people that, that we know that have died of cancer. We've done lupus. Brad's mom actually passed away from lupus when he was really, really young. Now, obviously, there's been tons of advances in, in medicine and science where lupus is a little bit more controllable than it was. So all of us on the team have lost somebody, especially somebody really important to us. So it's really important that, you know, not only do we educate, but we also try to do some fundraising and we try to give back to the community. And, and it's really been an interesting experience to link up with folks like the ACS or with lupus or with NKF and bring them to, let's say a track event. Um, ACS was super excited. They're like, we're going to do a, you know, light the night track walk sort of thing. We've never done that before, especially out in Jefferson County, West Virginia. We did it at summit point. They were so gracious to host us. It was, it was amazing. And so it, it was really popular and they're excited to do it again. And we hope that we can organize that. It's been always kind of tough to, you know, set those things up scheduling wise and whatnot, but you know, we want to do more things like that. We want to be more involved and get people excited about, you know, our world, the motorsports and vehicle world and, and 
how they can, I guess, grow out maybe their experience. Because again, to your point, everybody has a story. We've all got that story about, oh, my first car in high school, my first date, and I met my wife. But it all it all plays together, right? Because in some ways it involves a car. So I, I just think it's fascinating how it all ties together. Yep, I'm so old that uh, my first car was a Plymouth Fury 3, um, 383 in, underneath the hood, and it was 1967. Um, my, my apologies. <laughs> Not just kidding. <laughs> Those are great cars in today's standards because you could do so much with them. But that's a, that's a story for another day. But uh, it, it it is indeed. So you know it's interesting because you, everything that has happened to you is kind of, in my opinion, is kind of by design, and it's gotten you to where you are today. And and uh, even, even losing your dad, I, I still I believe that he is still around you. Mm-hmm. And and is uh, and is very proud of what you're doing, and uh, especially the uh, the charity work and the things that you're doing. How do you get out to see all these people? Where where do all these people come from? You know, it's it's sort of interesting. the The internet is a blessing and a curse sometimes, and so. Uh-huh. Being in, being able to sit down with folks and talk to them in a relaxed environment has been really easy post COVID or even during COVID because everybody was used to calling up their grandkids or their their siblings or whatever via Zoom, and so that's how we do it. And so we schedule with them; they come on. Some people we've done live in person because they're local, or we've done them at events. We'll go to races as part of the press corps and sit down with folks and interview them there. It's been fantastic. So it's a lot of you know, scheduling, it's a lot of coordination, but at the end we do a majority of it virtually. So that, that opens us up to anybody in the world. We've had folks as far as Spain and Portugal, Portugal come on the show. And I mean, there are a lot of people centered here in the United States, but we're open to anybody, you know, as far as we can go. You know, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. Cause I just, I have always wanted to, because I'm a podcaster and I've been doing this for, um, for a while now. Um, I could probably pass myself off as being a press guy and uh, and get into some of the uh, press conferences and stuff of like I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan um, and maybe I could get into one of their did is that what you did because you are it's you guys a, are, yeah it's a game it's a game changer and so we were very fortunate to meet in some really circuitous ways a couple different PR people, uh, just to name a few, Cindy Meidel, who works with Chris Bright from Collector Part Exchange and Don Weberg from Garage Style. She's hooked us up with a lot of other people because it's sort of like this Kevin Bacon game. And there was one guest that took us almost a year to get on the show and, you know, just persistence pays off. And then they mentioned somebody and then we researched them and then we connect and it just, you know, spirals out of control. And then on the other side, we did an episode with Rob Holland, who's a from Rotec Racing, who is part of the World Challenge series, an episode about diversity and how he's working with the World Challenge Racing Organization to, you know, bring more people in from different backgrounds and things like that, and his experiences in the Nurburgring and whatnot. And I just happened to be on LinkedIn one day and I made a post riding on top of something that he said, and it got the attention of the press officer over at World Challenge. And I got this phone call. And man, did I think I was in trouble. I was like, oh boy, I did something totally wrong. And lo and behold, it was actually a really great thing. They're like, Hey, you know, we don't have the bandwidth to do this sort of thing. 
are you willing to come on board and, you know, come work with our guys and meet the drivers and the teams and, you know, we'll make introductions for you guys. And then you do, you know, you do what you need to do. And so sometimes you fall backwards into it and sometimes it comes to you. Right. So it's, it's been an interesting ride and we're always looking to connect the dots. I mean, especially if someone comes on the show and they name drop somebody, I, I'm making a note. Now I'm not, I'm not trying to specifically target, but I'm like trying to see, trying to build this almost mental map of how the community is tied together and it becomes really small after a while. You start to notice like who knows who, uh, in, especially in the motorsport side of the house. I imagine in the motor, because it is fairly specific, uh, the motorsport side um, of, of just life. Cause there are people like me. I, I mean, I've never been to a NASCAR race in my life or, or any, any, really any, any car race or anything like that. It just it isn't been my wheelhouse, but, uh, but for somebody who likes that stuff, my, my brother used to, before he passed away, you know, it, have you noticed by the way, that a lot of people are passing away right now? Yeah, it's, it's, we're sort of on that cusp, right? <laughs> There's a certain age group that's, that's phasing out right now. Uh, yeah, I guess. And uh, <laughs> I have an associate this is, um, that uh, works with me on Positive Talk, and she says, you know, um, what are we going to do if you go and die? It's like, I'm not going to die. And then she'll point out, well, you know, you are 65, and she's a funeral director. And so she <laughs> she sees a lot of people my age that are going going away. So, uh, But you, but you got to keep going. You got to keep exactly. doing what you're doing. Exactly. And, and, I, and I love what you do with um, celebrating people and having them on your show and stuff, and especially older folks. Mm-hmm. That I, I, I did something called um, Family Legacies, and I, I wanted to interview older folks like somebody's dad or their grandfather or something that, that was in their 80s or 90s. And or late seventies, eighties, and nineties, because I wanted them, I wanted their voice, I wanted their their story to be able to go to the family, and to follow follow the family as what they you know, so that their grandkids and their great grandkids and stuff. And um, I think we need more of that. We need to celebrate that. And I've been approached by several people who support the show too. And they're, they're just like, you need to interview so-and-so you need to interview this person. And I'm just like scribbling names down. I'm like, okay, well, if you have a connection, you know, gladly, I'm never going to say no, because that's one less sort of idea I have to come up with is I need to interview, you know, whoever one of them recently came out. We pre-released this episode. It's going to come out a little bit later in the year on the main server, but you can get it over on exotic car marketplace today. I was approached by one of our supporters and he goes, you really need to interview Bob Gerritsen. And I'm like, the, the name sort of rings a bell, but I'm not putting it together. Had you said, you know, Brian Redman and Bobby Rahal and some others, and I would have been like, oh, okay. So we have a new co-host that's come on who's working with me specifically on the golden era of sports car racing. So these are all the pro drivers from the 70s through the early 90s. Folks like Bob Gerritsen and Bobby Rahal and Brian Redman and others. And though they all happen to be teammates, by the way, at one point. So this is a little behind the scenes. I'm scouring the internet. I'm trying to look up Bob's story because I do a lot of research on my guests. I, when I interview them, I want to ask more intimate questions. I, we always start out the same, right? Who, what, where, why? Tell me how you got into cars. Did you come from a racing family? Did it start as a kid? Did you come into it later in life? Because I want them to build that. I want them to build that foundation so that people understand that you don't just 
you're not just a car person, you blossom as a car person, you evolve through that, right? And then maybe you found your way as a driver, you found your way as a designer, because we've had those folks on, or you're an artist or whatever. But there's always this pivot point, something that sparked that interest in, in cars, whatever it was, maybe the one that drove by your house every day, or the first one you saw at the racetrack. So that said, I'm scouring the internet looking for information on Bob Gerritsen. And I'm, I'm coming up with nothing. I'm just turning up dirt, no potatoes, right? And I'm like, this is crazy. So I, I reach out to my friends up at the International Motor Racing Research Center in Watkins Glen. And I said, hey, I'm having a hard time. Is there anything in the archives about Bob? And Josh Ashby, one of the researchers there, awesome guy, he hooked me up. He's like, Hi, here's the photos we have. Here's the racing results. Here's everything we've got on Bob, including a, a short article that we wrote up on him you know, many years ago. I'm like, all right, cool. This at least gives me something to go on. But it, it was information that wasn't necessarily publicly accessible. And still, I'm sort of like, who is this guy? I'm, I'm still not putting it together because he was only in a handful of races. And I'm like, this is just why, why is it so important that we interview him? So again, I have my new co-host on, Mike Carr, and we're talking, you know, the old days of racing and this and that. And Bob's just kind of going along in his story. He's 90 years old, right? And I'm like, and we're both looking at each other because he's on the phone. So he can't see us. And we're kind of like, what is going on? Like, who is this guy? Where is this story going? Because again, we don't have a lot to build on. And suddenly it all comes together. And he mentions, he starts on this path and this tangent about Steve Jobs and, and Wozniak. And we're like, you know, just this puzzled face. And he's continuing to talk and this and that. And he's building up to this crescendo of the story. And then I see Mike's jaw hit the floor and the my light bulb went off. And we went, oh, my God, this is the guy who owned and raced the famous, even if you're not a car person, the Apple computer Porsche. <laughs> and it's like, it's one of the most famous cars like ever. And you're just like, whoa. And it just completely changed the whole latitude. And then it's like, it all collapsed. And we were able to really kind of, you know, put the whole thing together. And so it's, it's moments like that when you're in the middle of a story and, it, and a guest takes you on this journey and you're like, Whoa. And it's happened even when you kind of know what's coming. We're like, I didn't expect it to be that intense or that much detail. And hearing it again, straight from the source is just so amazing. It's a wonderful thing that, uh, that you get to do. How often do you drop a podcast? Every Tuesday is the regular. And then sometimes because our backlog is a little large, we will drop extra episodes on a Thursday that usually either correspond with the primary guest or some sort of linkage to. We've done themed weeks as well, where we did one all about um, oval racing or we did one all about Formula One. So we put a bunch of episodes together and released them at the same time. Um, our, our backlog is a little long. So there's there's a lot more episodes to come. <laughs> Well, I, your opinion would be great, greatly appreciated. I do uh, anywhere from five to ten podcasts a week. Is that too wow. many? God bless you. <laughs> you know, it's it's not too different than what Mark Green does on Cars Yeah, and we did a crossover with him. He was on our show, which is pretty rare. He goes on anybody else's show anymore. He's also based in the Seattle area, so we went on on his show, and you know, he's five days a week. And he's got, you know, a couple thousand guests. And I'm just like, good night. You know, we'd, we'd love to get there. I mean, if we could be even a fraction as good as, as you are and as, as he is and, and all that, I mean, it's, it's going to be tremendous. But, you know, we try to 
not replicate what Mark's doing or what some of the other shows are doing. So part of the point now that we've really bought, we've brought the yellow card to the table, as we like to call it internally, the everyone has a story idea, is that these are stories that are designed to inspire others. Yes, yes, and, and they do that. Yeah, and, and it's not about celebrity either. There are people that are, you know, turning wrenches, you know, amateur racers, or maybe they're part of a pit crew, or, you know, they're aspiring racers or something like that, or, or whatever, classic car collectors, it doesn't matter. We want to tell your story, because there's other people out there wondering, how do I become, you know, uh, Bill Warner, who founded Amelia Island, that backstory is really interesting, why he suddenly, you know, went from journalist to starting one of the most popular concours in the United States, you know, second to Pebble and, and some others. And then you have folks like uh, Samantha Zimmerman, right? An up and coming artist. She specializes in the golden era of sports car racing, beautiful artwork. And then there's folks like Chris Dunlop, who grew up in, in the DC area, another artist that now finds himself in California working alongside of, you know, Chip Foose and all these other people. It's just, it's amazing the journeys that our lives take and the reluctance we have sometimes to share them with other people, because even if we can connect the dots, maybe it helps change that person's trajectory. Like, oh, if I did this thing and then maybe I can jump over here and do that other thing. What are the alternatives to what Chris did or what Samantha did or, or whoever? Oh, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, in the, the one thing that I get really enjoy is that I can have a conversation with somebody who you won't know. Uh, they're, they're not famous. Um, they may be an author and they've got a great book out or they may be what they're doing something to better the planet and to better each other. And they may not be famous they're in their in their own little world. They may yeah. be, but, but I enjoy those people because I think they're every bit as entertaining as famous people are. Yep. Well, they're human. Doesn't we all put our pants on the same way, right? Doesn't matter, you know, put every adjective description in there that you want. And so the stories are the most important. Again, going back to the idea of links in a chain, right? Is we're all connected in some way. And that's where even when you kind of look at the folks that we've had on and the mind map that we're building, they're all related to one another. This person knows that person and worked with that person or raced with them, or that person captured them on film. You know, there's these multiple dimensions to all these stories and it just it it paints a very beautiful mosaic at the end of the day hence also why we have all those pictures with people holding the yellow cards because we want it to turn into this gigantic just you know piece of art at the end of the day that's brilliant by the way they call that they call that marketing and niching down and and um, all that kind of stuff so you 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 do really good now let's i want to make sure we get the information out for people to find sure. you so how do they do that yeah, so our main website is www.grandtouringmotorsports.org, or I'm sorry, www.gtmotorsports.org. Our all of our social handles are at Grand Touring Motorsports. There's no D in that, so it's sort of the European way to do it. G R A N, Touring Motorsports. And from the main site, it sort of branches off into different pieces. That's where you'll find most of our upfront media, the written articles, the podcast episodes, all the follow-on content and transcription, all the projects that we're working on and other websites we'll affiliate with. We even do web design and things like that. From there, you can actually branch off and venture into what we call the clubhouse. So the clubhouse is where our members still live and thrive and we continue to ebb and flow that part of, of GTM. And then there's a couple other pieces, things that we started. We have this really cool trackside assistant. We call it Paddock Pal. That's paddock-pal.com. 
And then we also started a couple of years ago, something also to be educational and be proactive and more in the industry, the National Motorsports Safety Association, or what we call NIMSA for short. And you can find that under motorsports-safety.com. We're always looking for people to contribute that and help that out. That's really trying to standardize how we approach the idea of safety across all the different motorsports disciplines. And that's a big kind of pet project for Brad and I that we've been you know, slowly working on over the years. In terms of the show, we're available on all your favorite music streaming and you know podcatcher apps out there. All you have to do is search for Break Fix or Break Slash Fix or Grand Touring, G-R-A-N Touring, and we'll come up pretty much everywhere, um, all the majors, and then even some of the ones you're not thinking about. So if you're listening in India or you're listening, you know, you're, we're, we're top rated in Somalia this week, so it's all good. We're, we're everywhere. <laughs> Which is really encouraging and exciting for a lot of podcasters because I'm told 90% of podcasts fail or they quit or, yeah. and, they, and they give up after, you know, 10, 20, 30 episodes because their mother, their brother, and their aunt Lucille was listening and that's all they get. Yeah. Um, so it takes sure. time. We are closing in on 200 published. Our mentors keep telling us, keep going, keep going, keep going, because the strong will continue to stand. That's pretty much how it works. It's like survival of the fittest, to your point. Yeah, 30 to 50 episodes. I know a lot of people that just celebrated their 50th episode. Congratulations to a, a few of them that have been on our show as well. Um, we're looking to you know, help mentor them along as well and say, hey, we made a lot of mistakes. Here's how you can try to avoid them. The podcaster community is actually quite strong. I, I also lead an A club over on Patreon, which is how we crowdfund the show itself. So you can find us there, patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports, if you're interested in supporting the show. But, you know, there's a lot of folks going right into that idea that you were just saying, where it's like they're struggling, they're, they're on that edge of, do I continue, do I not? And what I tell people all the time is, you are, especially in the conversation and interview style, you're inspiring other people. You're sharing those stories and that's really important. And you have access to people that others don't. And so keep up that good work, keep inspiring other people to learn about other folks' history and how maybe it can change their lives for the better. Absolutely. And if you want to go to positivetalkradio.net, you can go there too. You're going to be, do you know what episode you are? I, I don't know. 401. Oh, it's always good to be first in something. It is. <laughs> and by the way, we've been talking to uh, crew chief Eric and go again. And I'm glad you gave all the information. Um, I'll have you do it one more time so that everybody can, who was trying to write it down can, yep. can get it, get it done. My and, apologies. Uh, I talk really fast. <laughs> well, that's, that's quite all right. So do it one more time for everybody. That's right. So our main website is www.gt motorsports with an s dot org you can follow us on all social media platforms except for twitter at grand touring motorsports all one word on twitter we are gt motorsports 14 and we're also crowdsourced with extra exclusive bonus and behind the scenes content on patreon patreon.com forward slash gt motorsports i am impressed you weren't even writing any of that down very nicely done very nicely done so. i might have done it a couple of times <laughs> Well, and that's the thing is you got to get out. You got to talk to other people, other podcasts, touch other audiences. If you want to know more about automobiles and what they do and how they work, I have a key somewhere here. And if you turn in the key, it works. If you don't call somebody, I would call you. And to, but so 
But if you want to learn, if you want, if you're a motorhead or a, what did you call it? A diesel? Uh, no, a, a uh, petrol head. Petrol head. Then go to his podcast. You'll, you'll really enjoy it. And it's been a pleasure having you here. And if I knew anything about cars, I'd love to be on your show. That's right. Well, you know, if we, if there's a story, we're happy to tell it. So maybe we can come up with something. Oh, I've, uh, I've got a story for you. I tell you. <laughs> And don't forget to subscribe, like, and, and smash that like button too, right? Yes, continually, continually. So um, it's, it's, it's great to have you here. Thank you so much for being on the show. No, Kevin, thank you so much. I'm absolutely honored for the invitation. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And if you'll wait right there, I'll be right back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind to one another because 